Today's daf is daf Nun Zayin, page 57, in the Hilagim Meseches Ksubis, and we are up to Ki Osa Ravdimi. Okay? This is three lines before it gets wide. So let's count about seven lines from the top of the Amud. You will find the words Ki Osa Ravdimi. Right? Now, our Mishnah brought a machlaikas about a woman, whether or not she can be mochel, she can forgive the ksuba or part of the ksuba. So a husband writes 200, and we had a conversation, Rabbi Yehuda, and the, um, amongst others, about whether you write her, about whether she uh, can be mochel 100. Rav Meir at the end says, no, it's going to be uh, Bilaz Nos. We said that's all about writing. When you write it, you have a written receipt. But when, as far as forgiving the ksuba verbally, so that we had a separate machlaikas between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yaisi. Okay, we said, oh, when it's written, that's the case of the Mishnah. What about verbal uh, uh, mechila? So that's another machlaikas between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yaisi. Okay, so we're going to get back now into this conversation about, again, the Chachamim say every man who marries a Basula or a man who marries a Bula, you're either going to be obligated to write 200 or 100. Whether or not she can forgive it verbally is a source of dispute. Let's get into this. Says the Gemara, and it's, this is one of the Gemaras. In general, it's always good to remember names. But over here specifically, it's going to be very important for the, uh, for the Gemara as we get closer to the Mishnah to remember this name specifically. So Ki Osa Ravdimi, remember this name. When Ravdimi came to us. Now remember, our Gemara is written in Bavel, it's Talmud Bavli. So Ravdimi came from Eretz Yisrael to Bavel. So he's teaching us Torah. Ki Mitzion Sora, right? So he's coming from Eretz Yisrael, he's teaching us the Torah of Eretz Yisrael. He says like this, Ravdimi says, Rav Shem Ben Pazi quoted Rav Yishua Ben Levi, who quoted Bar Kapara, the Machlaikas about whether or not a woman can verbally forgive part of the Ksuba is only Betchila in the beginning. Now, beginning of what? So as we're, I'm going to pause here, the Gemara is going to explain soon, but I just, want to, I just want to explain before we get, even get into the Gemara, preface it. Remember, when it comes to the moving in together of husband and wife, so first they're going to go into chuppah, then they're going to come out of chuppah, and then they're going to have bia, but consummate the marriage, living together with marital relations as husband and wife. So you have into the chuppah, out to the chuppah, into the bia, out to the bia, Okay. You're going to have, there's various stages even of couples moving in together. With that, let's understand this. The machlokas about whether she verbally forgives the ksuba or not, whether that works, is betchila. In the beginning of the nisuin process. The beginning of the moving in process. Aval besof, but at the end of the moving in. Now, we don't know whether here it's the chuppah moving in, the bia moving in. We don't know. But let's keep reading. Let's keep learning. Besof says Rav Dimi, who was quoting Rabbi Shimon and Pazi, quoting Rabbi Shimon and Kabara. If it's at the end she forgives the ksuba, then it's not called a forgiveness. That's not forgiveness. It doesn't matter. You're still going to owe the 200. Rabbi Yechen Amar Rabbi Yechen says, Bein bezu, bein bezu whether the mechila happened at the beginning, whether it happened at the end, it is a forgiveness. And Amar Rabbi Avo, Rabbi Avo says, It was explained to me in the name of Rabbi Yechen, that Rabbi Yechen said that Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi is not arguing on him, because really everybody's just saying the same thing, but with a different context. So they're using different words, but they're ultimately all agreeing to the same halacha, which is, my betchila dekam Rabbi Shuvalevi, when Rabbi Shuvalevi says, the dispute about whether she can verbally forgive is only at the beginning, you know what that means? 
Tchilas Chuppah. That's the start of Chuppah. When they go into Chuppah together, she's still capable of forgiving her Ksuba. Umaisof. And what do you mean that at the end everybody agrees it wouldn't be considered a forgiveness? That means Sof Bia. After the actual intercourse. So all the way from the beginning of the moving in process, that's the Tchila, and the Sof is all the way at the end after the intercourse. But when do I, Rabbi Eichanan, say that there's a dispute between Rabbi Yaisi and Rabbi Yehuda, both beginning and the end? What I mean is, not the beginning of Chuppah and the end of Bia, I mean the beginning of Chuppah and the end of the beginning of chuppah and the end of chuppah, the heat chilas bia, because leaving the chuppah is the beginning of the bia. Okay, that you're leaving the the chuppah now, and you're going to go live together as husband and wife. Okay, but ultimately, according to Rav Dimi's approach, we're all saying the same thing. Fine. Now let's remember the the next name, Kiyosa Ravin, when Ravin came to Bavel. So Ravin came along as well. And he says as follows. So we have Rav Dimi's approach, and now we're getting into Ravin's approach. So he also Ravin. Ravin also came from Eretz and he taught us as follows. Omar Rav Shimon ben Pazi, same name. Omar Rav Yishua ben Levi, same name. Mishon bar Kapara, same name. So you have Rav Dimi quoting these people, and now we have Ravin quoting these people. And he quoted, the, he quoted this opinion to be. Machlokas libesof. Notice the difference. See, when Rav Dimi came, he said there was machlokas in the beginning. Ravan is saying that there's machlokas Rabbi Yosi and Rabbi Yudah at the end of the process. But let's say she forgives in the beginning, she has a verbal mechila on his ksuba, on part of the ksuba. Everybody will agree it is a valid mechila. Rabbi Yechanan says, Bein bezu, bein bezu, machlaikas, both in the beginning and at the end there's a machlaikas. Amr Rabbi Abo, Rabbi Abo says, the Dima Farshi made Rabbi It was explained to me in the name of Rabbi Yechanan, the Anab, Rabbi Shuv and Levi, like Pagina Dadi. Me and Rabbi Shuv and Levi are arguing. Why? My Libisayf, Dom Rabbi Shuv and Levi, Rabbi Shuv and Levi says that there is a machlaikas at the end. What does he mean at the end? You know what it means? Saif Chupa, the end of Chupa. Umay tchila, what does beginning mean? Tchila's chuppah, beginning of chuppah. V'higaviyana, bim bezu, bim bezu, machlaikas, that's tchila's bia, ulubesayf bia. So we're dealing with apples and oranges, right? He's dealing with, again, as we explained earlier, when a couple moves in together for Nesuin, there's these two main stages of Nesuin. You go into chuppah, you come out of chuppah, you go into bia, you come out of bia, you finish the bia. So he says, you should know, to clarify, that really we're not arguing over here at all. When I say there's a machlaikas in one place, he'll agree that the machlaikas is in the tchila, but I'm just I'm talking about chuppah, he's talking about bia. Okay. Amar of Papa. So now let's, remember we, we mentioned before that it's important to notice the names. This is, this is now going to go back. So we have... Ravdimi's approach, Ravdimi was the first person who came to Babel and taught us, quoted Barkapara, and then Ravan came and he quoted Barkapara, third hand. So Rav Papa explains, you should know, Ilav Rabbi Avohu. If Rabbi Avohu would not have said, that it was explained to me in the name of Rabbi Yechanan, that there's no dispute over here, I would have thought, Rabbi Yechon and Yeshua Levi certainly pleagi. Rabbi Yechon and Yeshua Levi are arguing, um, and Rav Dimi and Ravin lie pleagi. Rav Dimi and Ravin are not really arguing at all. They're not the ones who are arguing. It's Rav Yechonon and Rabbi Yeshua Levi arguing. And I'll tell you like this. You ready? How could it be that Rav Dimi? Ready for this? Is Gishmak? Follow along. This is beauty. One second. We're in our minds. We should be bothered. Rav Dimi says there's a machlokas in the beginning. There's no machlokas at the end. Ravan comes along and says, there's a machlokas at the end. There's no machlokas in the beginning. So comes along Rav Papa and says, that also is not necessarily a dispute. Because maybe Rav Dimi and Ravan are coming and talking about two different things. Maybe one's talking about chuppah and one's talking about bia. The same thing we said before. Now let's read this inside. Here we go. My saif to come 
when Rabin says there's a machlaikas in the end, what does he mean the end? He means saif chuppah. There's a dispute about whether she could be mochel v'ksuba at the time frame, which is at the end of Dimi. And when Rav Dimi says there's a machlokas only in the beginning, what does he mean? The beginning of Bia. So really, since the end of Chuppah and the beginning of Bia is the same thing, they're both agreeing there's a machlokas in that stage. Beautiful. So he says, if, uh, if not for... If not for Rabbi Avo saying that it was personally explained to me that Ravan and Ravdimi are arguing and Rabbi Echanan and Rabbi Shul Levi are not arguing, I would have said the opposite. I would have said Rabbi Echanan and Rabbi Shul Levi are the ones who are arguing and Ravdimi and Ravin are the ones who are not arguing. But I must be wrong. I must be wrong. Says the Gemara, okay, fine. My Kamash Balaam, what's your point? What's your point? I would have thought that they are... What's the Kiddush over here? What's, your, what's the whole novel idea? Why, why are you so blown away? Answers the Gemara, I'll tell you the Kiddush, I'll tell you the novel idea of the Gemara. You learn from over here, we prefer two Amuraim arguing with their own opinions and not have two Amairaim arguing over what a one particular, uh, uh, another specific particular opinion. Okay, this is fascinating. In other words, the hardest disputes to come to answer, the hardest ones to come to answer, is when you have a big posik, you have Moshe Feinstein, says something, and then you have a dispute about what he said. That's a tough call now. Because now what? Right? He's not around. He's not around anymore. So it's easier to figure out when you have one opinion coming on one side, another opinion coming on the other side. All right, so there's two opinions. So now go learn the sugya, learn the topic, learn it through, you can come out with something. But when you have people arguing in a specific opinion, that's a tough, uh, that's a tough spot to be in. Okay, period. End of that clarification. End of that Gemara. We are now up to the Mishnah. About two-thirds of the way down on Nun Zayin Amad Aleph. And we're going to start a new conversation, a new topic. We're familiar with this, but we never really delved into this. And this is a beautiful, beautiful Mishnah. And let's give a quick introduction. We're familiar with the two stages of marriage. There's Arison, which is the husband making an acquisition of the wife. And then there's what we call the Nisuin, where they actually live together, move in together as husband and wife, and the husband takes on much greater responsibility. So for example, during the Arison, the husband's not obligated to feed his wife. That starts by the Nisuin. Okay, also if you have a Kohen who marries a Yisraelis. Okay, so he's a Kohen, he's marrying Yisraelis, a Kohen's wife is allowed to eat truma. Until she actually, while she's in Arusa though, in that first stage, she hasn't moved in with him yet, she cannot eat truma yet. We'll see on today's daf why. But Allah is she can't eat truma. So there's, extra, there's added responsibilities that come about when somebody has, when a couple gets together with Nisun. Now, how long does Arison last? Nowadays we have, let's say, a few months of engagement, right? Some circles, engagements are a year, some so good. How long should the Arison be until it's time for an Asuan? Can you keep dragging your feet? Like, how long is it? Right? You have people who are in a relationship at a certain point, one partner says to the other, what's taking you so long? Would you propose already? Right? What's the problem? Right? Can you, can you pop the question? Yeah. So you have a couple, they already popped the question, they're already married. But at a certain point, when, when do we say one can say to the other, hello, time, to, time for an Nisuin? Right? So we never really got into that. Now the assumption we've been having all along is about 12 months. Right? We've mentioned that number before. That you have Arison, 12 months later is Nisuin. We're going to learn on today's daf that it's really nuanced. It's not 
always 12 months, and it really depends on the circumstance. That's going to be our new topic. Let's get into this. All right. We give a virgin who's waiting for Nisuin 12 months to prepare from when the husband claims her. Now, what does it mean, claims her? So Rashi explains like this. A woman gets 12 months to prepare from the time that the man, the husband says, let's get ready for Nisuin. It's very interesting. So you can have Arison without any specific intent, without any specific conversation about Nisuin. Whenever the husband looks at his wife and then says, "Hun, we should get married. We, we should get ready for the wedding. We should get ready to move in together." We give her now twelve months from his claim to her, from when he tells her this. She now gets twelve months uh, to move in. Why? Lefarnes es atzma. Okay, Rashi says to get her stuff together. That's it. Lefarnes es atzma to get her stuff together. Rashi has three quick words. He says um, one word actually for the woman. By the man, we'll see also. But he says betachshitin with jewelry, with clothing. She has twelve months to get ready. Okay. Now, why is this important? So. Let's explain. What happens if the time's up and the woman's like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I'm, I'm not moving in now. Are there any consequences to that? So as we're going to see, there is. If time is up, if whenever halacha says you're obligated, now this is the last day. You can get married earlier. You could have an asuan earlier. But this is the last day. So if on the last day, 12 months are up, from the, the husband gave her 12 months to get ready. He says, no, you're ready? She says, I'm still putting on my makeup. I need three more weeks. Right? You know that joke? There's a couple going out to the shul dinner. They're ready an hour late. So the husband calls upstairs. He says, honey, you're ready? What's taking so long? She says, I've been telling you for the last hour. I'll be done in a minute. Okay. Yeah? So... Uh, I'll be done in a minute. So he calls her up. He says, new lady, 12 months. She says, I'm still putting on my makeup. I need three more weeks. You know what's going to happen is she's actually going to enter a realm where we're going to knas her ksuba. We're going to start deducting from ksuba because she's obligated. She agreed to have nizuin. You can't keep dragging it out. The chum don't want people to just have erison for years and years and years. All right? So that's why, the, keep, that's why this is important to give end dates to know when each side is obligated to get cracking. And the same way we say this about the, about the wife, so too a man also has 12 months till we say get cracking. And you know what happens on that end? Let's say he's not ready after 12 months. You know what we say to him? Your ksuba is going to go up. The same way we'll deduct from her ksuba, if she doesn't come in, we're going we're gonna to start saying, oh, you're not ready today? What's taking you so long? Yeah, Rashi says, you know, he needs to get ready. He's still preparing the wedding. What's taking you so long? What's taking you? Take a, you know what I mean? You had 12 months. No, shanginog. Get cracking. We're actually going to demand he pays her more now of a ksuba if he's not ready. If, if he doesn't want to move in. Fine. Now that is all by a basula. So clear, let's, let's take a step back for a moment. How long, at, at what point are we obligated for Nesuin? Says the Mishnah from the time that the husband is Teveya, his wife, which is 12 months from the time he says, get cracking. She has 12 months to prepare herself. He has 12 months, and that's it. Now, if she's not a Basula, if she's not a virgin, rather we're dealing with a widow, so usually second marriages are much of a, are a more of a, a, a smaller event. So it doesn't take as long for the preparation, and that is 30 days. There's 30 days. You hit us. Higiyaz The 12 months are up. The 30 days are up. They don't get married. The halacha is, The husband, not only does he have to give her the additional ksuba, but... 
she starts, she gets his credit card. And she's, he, he's paying for her food. The Torah says, you take care of your wife's food, clothing, and attention, affection, appreciation. Right? The Aina. You don't, it's time for Nisun. You don't move in, you, you're obligated to feed her. I don't care if she's living in your house, not living in your house. You're obligated to feed her. And not only that, if he's a Kohen, she can start eating Shuma. Usually, as we're going to see, a, an, an Arusa, she's only in the first stage of marriage, she cannot eat Shuma yet. Over here, even if they didn't move in, she can start eating his Shuma right away. Reb Tarfin says, Naisnin la hakol Shuma. When he gives her truma, you should know. I agree, says Rabtarfin, he's got to give her truma. But you should know, he's, if the husband wants, he's able to only give her truma and nothing else. Rabbi Akiva, no, no, no. He's got to give her some truma and some non truma. Let's pause and let's explain this. Let's look at this story. This is amazing. You have a Kohen, he's marrying a Yisraelis. Time for Nisuin. He doesn't bring her in. So he's got to feed her. All right? He's got to feed her. That's what Torah says. Is she allowed to eat truma? Yeah. We said she's allowed to eat truma now. Can the Kohen go and say, send her over breakfast, lunch, and supper where everything is truma or not? Now, what would be the issue? She could eat it. So ready? Because we know the natural course of a woman's body is... She has a monthly cycle where she's going to be tame, impure, and a woman who's tame cannot eat truma. So you're going to have certain days of the month where the Kohen's going to be sending his wife breakfast that she's not able to eat. Is that considered feeding your wife if she can't eat it? Says Rabbi Tarfin, yes. You know why? Let her go, sell it to a Kohen, and go buy your regular oatmeal. I gave you something of value. Granted, you can't eat it right now because you're tummy, but I'm fulfilling my obligation. However, Rebbe Kiva says, no, nothing doing. Rebbe Kiva says, the husband needs to send her some truma and some chulin. You have to give her food that's kosher for her at this time of the month. You can't send your wife tray for food. For this woman, it's tray food. She's tummy, she can't eat truma. Fascinating machlaikas, huh? Very interesting. So again, so let's take a step back. So we have a Mishnah which says at the end of, whether it's 12 months for a Basula, 30 days for, for a, in Amana, she can start eating the, the Truma. And we have a Machlokas about whether it has to be, uh, Rabbi Tarfin says, it, just send her Truma, there's no problem. And if she happens to be tummy, she should figure this out on her own. Rabbi Kiva says, no, some, uh, some Truma and some non-Truma. Okay. Says the Mishnah Viter. And let's pause and give an introduction. All right. Ready for this? Back into your vomit, Chavra. Get ready. But this is going to be easy. It's going to be easy for us we, because we learned your vomit together. A regular basula gets 12 months. What happens if her husband dies after six months. So now, they never moved in together. She's, they never, he's childless. She falls to his brother. How does it work now? How does it work now? With the guy doing Yibam. Do we say, you know, if he doesn't do Yibam, um, Six months later, her, her first husband died for six months. So six months later, which is a total of 12 months, she could start eating truma now. Or do we say, no. It's a new calculation. Or maybe we even say that when it comes to Yibum, there's no 12 months at all. Maybe a Yavam could take his time. And she can't start eating after 12 months. Right? Interesting. We kind of like have this shift within the marriage because her husband died childless. So here we go. Says the Mishnah, If she now falls to a Yavam, the halacha is she cannot start eating truma after the 12 months. 
doesn't start, doesn't have this automatic ability to eat shuma. What happens if her, she had six months with her with her husband? Her husband dies, and now she has six months with the yavam. What happens if her husband dies? Nebuch, the day before the twelve months is up, they're about to move in. The husband dies one day before, and now she falls to the yavam. Oh, or, let's say her husband died the day after. He put a ring on her finger, and now there's 11 months and 29 days. With the Yavam, still, in all these cases, she cannot start eating Shuma. The rule of her being allowed to start eating Shuma after 12 months is with an original husband. The moment there's a Yavam involved, and the Nesuin is coming out through the Yibam, we cannot for we, we do not give her the rights to start eating shuma. Fascinating. Ah, you're going to say the yavam is merely continuating his first brother's marriage. So why should it change? We're going to learn from a pasuk in the Gemara Mirz Hashem. The Gemara is going to bring down a verse telling us, proving to us that whenever there's a yavam involved, this halacha completely changes. Okay, fine. Now. Set, oh, uh, Rabiel, you're trying to say something, but you're but you're muted. Go ahead. So why does it make a difference? Brothers of Kohen. Oh, so you're, you're right. The Gemara is going to have to prove this from a Pasuk. Yale's asking, I, the brothers of Kohen, so it should be the same thing. Right? Why is it changing? We're gonna, so we're going to have to wait for the Gemara to explain this. Good. But you're, you're, you're understanding it correctly. If you're bothered by that question, you're understanding this Mishnah correctly. Okay. Now the Gemara wraps up and says, oh, by the way, you know, we just taught you all this at the end of 12 months. The, you know, the halacha is she can start eating truma or if it's 30 days for an almana. You should just know it's not really true nowadays. Halacha lamaisa. Zu missionary shayna. This is the way it used to be. However, Bezdin Shalacharei and Amru, a later Bezdin came along and said, we're at the, now turning to the top of Nun Zayin Amud Beis, Ein ha'isha aicheles betruma ad shatichanes lechupa. No matter what, you got to wait for chupa. No matter what. Even if the 12 months are up and the husband's obligated to feed her and he's a Kohen and everything comes into play, he'll feed her but he cannot send her truma. She cannot start eating truma. All right? The Gemara tomorrow is really going to, tomorrow's Dafo Bezem, really get into the nitty gritty uh, to explain why the later Bezden changed their mind. All right? But uh, we'll, we'll wait for that. We are going to touch a little bit on the reasoning as we continue on on uh, Amud Bez, and I'll, I'll mention it as we get there. Okay. Says the Gemara, second line, Nun Zayin Aleph, let's tear apart this Mishnah, go through it piece by piece. All right. Says the Gemara, Menohani Mili, who made up this 12-month rule? Where'd you get it from? What's the source? Geshmak, you ready? Let's throw some Chomish together. Amar of Chisra of Chisra says, the Yom the Posok says, by the Shidduch of Yitzchak and Rivka, Isaac and Rebekah, what happened? Remember, Eliezer, the servant of Avram, went to find the Shidduch for Yitzchak, and he comes to the home of Besuel, Rivka's father. And it says in the Pesach, Her brother and her mother said, Rivka's brother, Lavan, and her mother said, Let her stay with us. We'll let her marry Yitzchak, but let her stay with us for... Yamim, days, o asar, or ten. Let her stay with us for days or ten. What does that mean? It's a pasuk in the Torah. It says the Gemara, my yamim. What are days? What do you mean by days? If days means two, because it's plural. Why would somebody say two days? They're going to say, let her stay for two days. And if he says no, let her stay for 10 days. That doesn't make any sense. Hear what the Gemara is saying? They said to Eliezer, let her stay for two days. Let her stay, if, if Yamim means two days. So then what they're saying to him is, let her stay for two days or 10 days. Would anybody talk like that? You say to Eliezer, 
let her just stay here for two more days. He says, nope, she's got to come now. Okay, fine, 10 days. That doesn't make any sense. That, can't, that could not have been the conversation. So, Elamai Yomim, what does Yomim mean? What does days mean? If it doesn't mean two days, you know what it means? Shana, it means a year. Now, why would days mean a year? Because it says in the Pasuk, Yomim at a year, after a year, is when you could redeem her. Is when you could redeem the home. When somebody sells a home in a walled city, you have up to a year to go and redeem it. After that, it's permanently gone. So you see, the Torah uses the expression of Yomim for a year. So what happened is like this. When Eliezer came to Rivka's house, they said, let her stay here for a year. And he said, no. So they, they shortened it to 10. Assuming right now it means 10 days. Okay. But you see that Yomim means a year. Fine. And maybe Yomim means a month. Heno means a whole year. Maybe it means a month. Because there's another Pasuk that says, Ad Chodesh Yomim. Until a month of days. You see, days are called a month too. So the Gemara says, no. Amri, they said, Dunan Yomim Stam, Yomim Stam, Bein Dunan Yomim Stam, Yomim Shenamar Bohan Chodesh. When it says Chodesh Yomim, that means a month of days. But if it doesn't say Chodesh, then Yomim means a year. Fine. So, bottom line is, bottom line is, why do we give 12 months? Because in the Torah they wanted, for Rivka, Yomim, they wanted a full year from the time that Eliezer came and gave her the valuables, gave her the jewelry, created the Erisin. She now wanted 12 months to, to, to go and, and um, move in with Yitzchak. Omar of Zerah says, Tana, we learned Kitana, if a father marries off his daughter, who's a Kitana, eight years old. Chavar, remember this? Beginning of Mesechus Ksubis, remember? Third parak. Beginning of Mesechta. All these cases. A father marries off his daughter who's a minor. We're going to learn some fascinating halachas about this right now. You ready? If she's eight years old, and the father accepts a ring, accepts valuables, you know what she could do? She can tell her new husband, I ain't moving in with you until my bas mitzvah. It could be seven years later. It doesn't matter. Incredible. So our mission says you have up to 12 months. Says the b'risa, that's not by a katana. If a father marries off his daughter to a katana, she can choose at any time whether or not to move in with him. They're married. She's an arusa. He gave money to her father. But she can say, I'm not ready for Nisuin. No, I'm not ready. She could delay it. And her father could do the same thing. Says the Gemara, It makes sense why we, can, why we give her the right to hold off the wedding. This is logic. She's eight years old. You have a guy who's in his teens, 20s, whatever. And she says, sorry, I'm busy playing boggle. I'm busy playing jump rope. I'm busy with my friends. I'm not moving in with you. Very nice. My father accepted money on my behalf, but I'm not moving in with you. Fine. Ella Avia, but her father, why does the father have a right to push off the Nesuin? Let's say she's willing to move in with this husband. Avia Mayinafka Lamina. Was the father keeping his nose stuck in? He got his money. Get your nose out. Leave it between the husband and wife now to choose when to have Nesuin. Why does he have a right to delay the marriage? Says the Gemara. I'll tell you why. Because remember, his daughter is a katana. And our children need adults to think for them. Kids need parents. Savar hashta The father knows very well. The daughter is like, oh wow, okay, it's so cute. I'm going to be a wife when I'm nine years old. Very cute. And then a day later, she's going to be like, uh, no, thank you. He knows, he, he knows the world more than his daughter. The next day, she's going to look at her husband and say, Bye, this whole thing's over. And she's going to end up back home as a, you know, as a divorcee. So therefore, the father's got skin in this game too. He wants this to work out. He feels in the best interest of his daughter. If he feels the best interest of his daughter, to wait for the Nesuin, we give him that right. Amr Rav Bar Levi. Rav Bar Levi says, It is. We do not make a date 
We don't give a, a psak, a set time, for a katana when she gets married off. But we do make a date after she becomes a gedayla. Okay? So in other words, like this. Says Rabbi Abba Barlevi, he's starting to shift around what we learned in the Psukim. He says like this, Have listen closely. Even though the Torah says a father can marry off a katana, he says, practically speaking, the Chachamim don't allow it. What we do allow is we'll allow the father to arrange her marriage for once she becomes a gadola. He can come to an agreement with a fellow and say, when my daughter's 12, we'll set a wedding date and she'll be married to you. But you can't marry off your daughter when, when uh, she's a katana. You, uh, certainly for Nesuin. So Gemara says, Pshita. One second. That's obvious. Once she's a gadola, of course you could set a date for the wedding. Gemara says, now, Mahu the tema, beautiful. I would have thought to say, Lechush Duma Ma'alya, Pachta Mehashta Vacholsha. I would say like this. Maybe the father is not allowed to set a wedding date for his 10 year old daughter to have Nesuin when she's 15. Maybe we don't allow it. You know why? Because it's going to cause her anxiety. If you set a date when she knows, she's a, she's a kid. You set a date when she knows, maybe, you, I'm, I'm going to, the Chacham don't use this word, but I'm going to throw it in. You ever heard of Tzar You're not allowed to cause pain to a living creature. People use this expression when it comes to animals. It applies to humans too. Yeah? It's Tzar I would have thought, to even set a date for her, it's pressure. It's, unnecessary, it's unneeded pressure. Interestingly, Kamash Malan, the Mishnah, so the, the Brisa, or the, um, not the Brisa, the Amira, Rav Abba Bar Levi, comes to teach us that, you're, that uh, even as a Katana, you're allowed to set the date. Okay. Says the Gemara, um, Amar Ravuna. Ravuna says, and this is going to really take us down to the two dots, this statement, it's a little bit of a cryptic statement. Rav Huna says, Bagra, a complete adult woman, Yom Echad Veneskadsha, she's a Bogaris for one day, and then she had Erisin, Nostin La Shleishim Yom Kalmana. He says, you know, in our Mishnah, we said you get 12 months, right? He says, no, no, no. If she's a Bogaris, fully mature woman, it's automatically 30 days. We don't give 12 months. Meaning our Mishnah which with the 12 months, that was dealing with a girl who's a Nara, maybe even a Katana, or a Nara part of the time, as we're going to see. But once a girl is already 12, 13 years old, 13, 14, fully developed, as an adult, she's a Bagaris. 30 days, 30 days it is. What are you waiting for? All right? That's it. Says the Gemara, one second. Ravuna, Mesfei, that's a challenging question. Bagra Harei Kitvua. When you have a woman who's a bygares, she's like a tavua. What's a tavua? A woman who the husband claimed her for marriage. My love, kitvua de besula. Don't we mean like a, hus- a, a woman that the, the husband claimed her for marriage, meaning he asked her to prepare for the chasna, which is 12 months. Says, you want like kitvua damana. A bygares is like a husband who told his almana to prepare, and he have 30 days. That's how Ravun is going to respond. Okay. We're going to try to challenge Ravuna two more times till we finally, uh, till we finally get him. Says the Gemara Toshma, come and come and listen. The Brisa says, "Bageres sheshasa shneim asar chaydish." Okay. Now Ravuna's in Amora, so if we prove there's a Brisa against him, he's he's out of the water. Okay. So you have a Bogeres that waited twelve months. Rabbi Yisroimer, well, now that twelve months are up, the husband's obligated to feed her. He's also able to nullify her vows. Yafer. Okay. Now, look at this expression. A, a bogeres, completely mature woman, once her 12 months are up. One second. Ravuna said, what's the law of a bogeres? Does she get 12 months? No, you just told me she has 30 days. Say, so how are you, Ravuna, going to f- uh, fit in with this Mishnah? You said she has 30 days. Ramesh says, once her 12 months are up. <laughs> Don't work out with your statement. Answer the Gemara. Ema Bagaris. The Mishnah means either if she's a Bagaris or then 
It's either one or the other. But it doesn't mean both. So that's how he's dancing over here. In this situation, since the husband's obligated to feed her, he also has the rights to nullify her vows. All right, bottom line is, we tried disproving Ravuna, who says, oh, Begaris gets 30 days. We, don't, we have not disproved him yet. He has a way where he could even understand that brysa. Okay. Next, Tashma, come and learn from a different brysa. Again, we're trying to disprove Ravuna, who says, you have 30 days. So, a person who does erison with a besula. Whether the husband asked her to prepare for the wedding and she's the one still putting on her makeup. Or whether she's ready for marriage. And the husband's dragging his feet. He's like, I'm not ready. I don't know. I didn't arrange the band yet. Da da da. And time's up. What do we say? We count 12 months from when they agreed to be ready. The 12 months doesn't start when he put a ring on her finger. It's when they started agreeing to prepare the chasen. Ubagra, if she's a bogeres, we consider her to be like a woman who's been told by her husband, let's get ready for the wedding. Now, Ketzad, what type of woman's being told by her husband, let's get ready for the wedding? If she was a Bulgarian for one day, and then she had Arusin, she got 12 months. And for an Arusa, we give her 30 days, okay, which we'll explain soon. Bottom line is, we have an upslug on Ravuna. Says the Gemara, okay. One second though, this wasn't clear, this last line. What do you mean an Arusa gets 30 days? Maila Arusa Shleishim Yaim. What do you mean that if she's an Arusa, she gets 30 days? An Arusa just means he put a ring on her finger. So you get 12 months. What's his 30 days? Amar of Papa. Rav Papa explains, Hachikamar, this is what we mean by Geres. If you have a by Geres, Sha'avru Allah 12 months have passed. Bibagrus, where she's already been a fully mature woman for 12 full months, Viniskadsha, and after that, she had Arison, she's given 30 days like in Almana. Okay, period, two dots. That's the clarification of that price. Okay, so what did we learn? Remember, at, <laughs> you agreed to be ready for the wedding. Whether you have 12 months as a virgin, whether you have 30 days as an Almana, you you got to be ready. What happens if time's up? It's game time. And the husband says, I'm not ready. What do we say? He's got to feed her. She could start eating truma. Even if he's a Kohen and she's a Yisraelis. They haven't moved in. She could start eating truma. Says the Gemara. Why? Why? Why is there a halacha that... When a Kohen marries a Yisraelis, puts a ring on her finger, she cannot start eating truma yet, but once time's up, she could. Where, where does this, like, how does the time up change anything? What does it create? So the Gemara is going to teach us something interesting. The Gemara is going to teach us that really, as soon as a Kohen puts a ring on his wife's finger, she should start eating truma immediately. Biblically, he puts a ring on her finger. They're married, she could start eating truma. But there's a reason why she doesn't. And for some reason, as we're about to see, that reason will fall away once time's up. So let's get into this. Amar Ula. Devar Torah, biblically speaking. Arusa Bas Yisrael. If you have an Arusa, a woman who's been acquired, who's a Bas Yisrael, she's just saying, she could start eating truma right away if her husband's a Kohen. Shinamar, as it says, any person who a Kohen acquires. Okay, she's now acquired by him. He, he gave her money, he gave her a ring. So she's acquired, she should be allowed to eat Shuma. Why the Chachamim say that a woman who's an Arusa cannot yet eat Shuma? You know why? We're concerned. She didn't move in yet with her husband. She's still living in her, with her family. You know who her family is? Yisraelim. Imagine if he's going to send her a dozen roses for lunch made out of chocolate. That's Shruma, and all of her kid brothers are going to want to stuff their face with the special chocolates that he sent her. 
you're going to end up having regular Yisraelim potentially eat truma. So we say, no. As long as she's still living in, the, in her father's house, in the house of Yisraelim, we're concerned that maybe the family is going to come to eat the truma, so she cannot eat truma. She might share some of her stuff with her brothers and sisters. Says the Gemara, one second. Okay, we'll take that. So listen closely. You're telling me, biblically speaking, a wife can eat truma. But for some reason, the rabbis made a decree. We know what the reason is. They made a decree. Until she moves in with him, no truma. Now let's look at the law of our Mishnah. What do we say? Time's up. Could she start eating truma? Yeah. Where's she living? In her father's house. So her siblings are still going to steal it. Why are we allowing her to eat truma once time's up? Says the Gemara, if that's the reason why, even if time's up and they're still not married, we shouldn't allow her to eat truma. Says the Gemara, I'll tell you what happens. What happens is, once the time is up, you know what we say to her? She not only is supported uh, with food, but he gives her her own place to stay. She gets her own place to stay. Until they move in, get her own apartment, her own room, whatever it is. So since she has her own place, she doesn't need to be living with her family, so she can start eating truma. Anytime you have a Kohen who works for a Yisrael, we shouldn't allow him to eat truma because maybe the owner's family will eat it with him. says, Says no, that's not gonna make, that that's not gonna happen because they're the ones giving him the food. We're not concerned. They're going to take his food, meaning they're not gonna give him truma. They're gonna give him their their own food. Any truma they give him, they know is truma, and hence there's no uh, there's no uh, concern that they may come to eat it. Okay, so we have one reason given. Let's take a step back. One reason given. Why once the time's up is she allowed to eat truma? But the answer is biblically she's allowed to eat truma all along. We just said while she's in her father's house, she shouldn't eat it because her siblings might come to get it. But now that time's up, he's going to have to give her her own place, uh, set spot anyway, so that uh, she can start eating shuma. We're not concerned her family's going to take it. Okay. Rav Shmuel Bar of Yehuda, Amar of Yehuda Bar Shmuel says, "Mishum Simpain." I'll give you another reason, and this is now going to remember. I said tomorrow we're going to learn about. Um, why, uh, you know, why at the end of the Mishnah we said uh, the later courts changed? Okay, so we're going to mention this reason later. Um, but over here, we're given the reason that she can't eat truma is mishum simpain. Mishum simpain means that you can have a marriage that's made conditionally, and what happens if she starts? She has arisen. She starts to eat truma. She's eating her truma. And then the husband never follows through on the condition. Or one of them doesn't follow through on the condition. The whole marriage is nullified retroactively. So she was never his wife in the first place. And therefore all the truma that she's now eating is going to be uh, done in a forbidden fashion. Says if that's true, even if they came into chuppah, she didn't have relations, we shouldn't allow her to eat truma. Also because... Of the sim point. Says Gemara Hasam Mivdak Badikla Vahadar Ma'ail. Yeah, the, the, there's a, another issue over here, which is that, uh, you know, the, it may come up some sort of, um, Rashi explains, um, an issue he might have with something that came up on her body. Maybe she had a wooden leg that he didn't know about before, a chveis, whatever it is, and he, uh, he, he never would have been maskim. To uh, that, that she would be his wife in the first place. Okay, so now you can have a chuppah where she could trick him, but once they're together in a, in an act of relations, so then everything uh, everything comes out. Says the Gemara Elamayata, but now you know all any sort of physical issues he might have. 
that she potentially was hiding. But now, any Eved Kayin who's purchased from Yisrael, maybe something later is going to come about where the guy is going to, you know, he had some sort of illness that the owner didn't know about the whole time, so the sale was never valid, so now he was never owned by me, and we have an issue now of a regular person eating truma in a forbidden way. He says, We're not concerned about simpain, this issue of the sale be nullified because of a physical issue when it comes to servants. You know why? Because if it's something that's noticeable on the outside, an issue with the servant, some sort of physical issue that they can't perform their service, the owner would have done his research and seen it. And let's say the Evet had some sort of uh, physical issue which was inside, so it was covered over. What happens is when he needs his servant, that servant needs to go work. So what's it, so what's the issue? You the the the, the guy has some sort of blemish uh, that that can't be noticed. So what? I don't care. The guy's got a huge uh, whatever whatever he's got going on underneath his clothing. The bottom line is, as long as my servant can work for me, he'll work for me. It doesn't matter physically. The physical deformity is not going to change anything. Nimtza Ganov, what happens if I purchase, uh, you know, I purchase a servant and this guy turns out to be a Ganov and he was a, what are they called, klepto, kleptomaniacs, people who always steal, yeah, so, you know, it turns out that I never wanted the sale in the first place because you didn't, you, uh, you didn't warn me about it, Oi, or top of tomorrow's daf, kovyustis, the guy's a kidnapper, he giyai, what's going to happen is it still, it still comes to him. Okay, Rashi says it's not an unvalid sale because my eco. What are you gonna? So it's gonna remain valid. The guy, so if the evidence truma, big deal. So my uh, my eco. So what could there be when it comes to a servant that's gonna nullify the sale that we should say a servant cannot eat truma? List the mezuyin and muktov lemalchus. Maybe it turned out that this servant that I bought was on death row. The guy, the guy, the guy was about to be killed in three days. He didn't tell me. Hanukkah Lislu, such a thing people would have known about. Bottom line is, says the Gemara, to wrap this up, when it comes to purchasing in Eved, we're not concerned about withholding truma because of the potential of a, uh, you know, of a mekachtos, of a uh, mistaken sale. However, when it comes to a woman, a wife, we are concerned until, in general, until the actual act of relations together, when they see each other in their fullness. So uh, we're concerned that maybe something will come up at that time that will nullify the marriage, and that's why um, we wait until the actual nisuin, until they have actual bia, they move in and live together to ensure to allow her to chuma, because now we're sure that no claim of mekachtos of a of, uh, mistaken sale is going to come about. Period. Okay, so the bottom line is we're walking away. Let's quickly wrap this up. Walking away. We were just given two reasons why in Arusa does not eat truma, right? Why we withhold it. Reason number one we gave is because we're concerned about her family eating it. Reason number two we gave is that if there's a concern at the time of Nesuin, maybe of some sort of deformity will be noticed where the husband's going to say, oh, the whole thing was a mistake. We were never married in the first place. And then she's been eating shroom all along in a forbidden way. So we, we don't want to allow that to happen. That's the second reason that we're, uh, that we're giving. And Bezshem, tomorrow we will wrap up almost by a two dots, but we will explain uh, the practical difference between these two reasonings. We'll hold it here. A good Nerev Shabbos. Have a wonderful, wonderful Nerev Shabbos, everybody. We'll see everybody tomorrow, 12, 15 p.m. Central. Zeigebenched.